This is a podcast version of a radio show by K103 Gothenburg Student Radio. Find us at k103.se. Due to copyright, the music is shortened. Oh my god, we're approaching 30. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. Useless. <laughs> Let's try this again. Thank god this isn't live. Before we start our show today, we'd like to give you a heads up. In this interview, we're going to talk about sexual assault and childhood trauma. If this is something that triggers you, we suggest you skip this episode as long as you listen to the rest of our episodes. We have also decided to divide the interview into episodes because we had so many interesting things to talk about with our guest. So now you're listening to the first part of the interview. Enjoy! Hello, hello. We're back on the radio again. I hope you missed us. We are the show about nothing. And we're here to talk to you about everything and nothing. And yeah. everything in between. But today we are very, very excited because we have a very special guest with us in the studio. We're with uh, the performer Diana Varco. Hello. Nice Welcome. to be with you both. Nice to be. So nice for you to make it. Oh. Yeah, I'm. I'm very excited about this. And of course, the yeah. tech wizard Fatima. Hello, Fatima. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, so Diana contacted us to promote her show Shattered, which is going to be premiering in Sweden at the Gothenburg Fringe Festival next this weekend. Exciting. Yes. What is Shattered about, Diana? So Shattered is a solo show. It's a tragicomy, fast-paced, heartbreakingly raw solo show told through 35 characters about the power of shame, uh, dating, relationships, and so much that people go through in life. And it's a story of hope, of, of coming out of those, those experiences and picking up the broken pieces of yourself and putting them back together again. Well, I, I, you've said that before, right? Yeah. <laughs> that was a little bit like part of my what I usually say. And yeah. then I started going in another direction. I'm like, that's what it's about. It's about, so, it's about being human, mm-hmm. but also navigating traumatic experiences as a human. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We had uh, actually the privilege of um, getting a little sneak preview of this uh, amazing show. Oh, that I, and I, I, I highly recommend it. But amazing like, and necessary, and, I'd and say. Very important, very important mm. show. Um, I wanted to, if, like you were talking about these 35 characters. Yeah. And like one of the characters is a chair. Like yeah. it's, it's so exciting. Like it's just mind-blowingly really cool. I don't know. I was very happy about it. <laughs> like, it goes, it really touches on... I mean, I, I'm fascinated by how your mind works and how you actually <laughs> managed to develop the show uh, because I could not give uh, anime to something as simple as a chair, sort of. But it's it's an important chair, guys. Like, <laughs> It's an important chair, but it's not as important as, as the rest. Be you, careful you, where you, you sit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It might become a character in your life later on. <laughs> it is an important chair. Yeah. It, is. Yeah. it is. But yeah. go watch watch the show. Like, It's yes, amazing. Please. Very oh, much. We'll you. talk about the dates later on. But yes. now we're going to have you. a little musical break to get get into it and I've chosen this I chose myself because I I associated the song with with the themes of of the of the play and it's uh, Blackbird 
by the Beatles. I don't know if you heard about this band. It's uh, very obscure. <laughs> Go ahead, Fatima. The Beatles. <laughs> the <What>? Beatles. Beatles. <laughs> And uh, we're still with Fatima and with a very special guest, artist Diana Varco. How Thank do you, you like to like announce yourself? Performer, artist? Mm. I love artist. artist. I, that's great. It feels yeah. very grand. It's like an umbrella term yeah. as well. So whatever you do in the future, you're still going to be an artist. Oh, I'll take it. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Expressive right. art. And this, uh, I'd like to talk about um, this a uh, festival circuit in which you're uh, promoting, performing your play, which is called Shattered. Again, let's repeat it so that it gets in people's gets heads. Yeah. Shattered, shattered. <laughs> and uh, I I was a bit like curious about how did you find yourself in going to Edinburgh Fringe Festival because I'm very interested in this. Can I, I start uh, ask a question before yes. this? Could 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 you for people who don't know what a fringe festival is? Yes. Could, ah. could we just like define yes. a fringe festival? That was my plan from the beginning, but then I started bubbling. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> so a fringe festival is basically. Um, Like with the Edinburgh Fringe Festival, it started, uh, I think, in 1947. I might be wrong. But it started as um, a theater festival on the fringe of the Edinburgh Festival of Theater. So... Was it like an anti-festival, sort of? It was like a response to not being uh, included in the main mm. festival. Oh, okay. Um, and Edinburgh has, like, ballooned into the largest arts festival in the world now. Mm. Um, largest theater festival, I, I should say. It, there's, like, 3,000 shows. It's open wow. access. And it's just a, a month-long straight of of theater artists coming together. Um, at the same time, there's the book festival, and there's also the Edinburgh festival. Mm. Um And I think there's another festival too. But fringe festivals are basically a place that like theater artists get together and put on plays. And the the open access is that like a key feature of a fringe fest festival? Of of several fringe festivals, it is. Mm. However, like the Gothenburg Fringe Festival that I'm doing, um, I think this week. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, this week. <laughs> yeah, this week. Um, that was a curated program, so yeah. I submitted my show to be part of their mm. listing. Mm. I, I just did the Reykjavik Fringe Festival, and that also was uh, curated. Mm -hmm. And they're part of the Nordic Fringe Network, which yeah. is a series of fringe festivals that mm -hmm. you can apply to. Uh, but a number of fringe festivals are open access. Mm. All right. So I could do it. You could do it. Oh, wow. You could do it. Mm. Uh, and the the idea behind that is that anybody can put up a play. Anybody can put on theater. Yeah. But if I do... Um a one-man show without <laughs> then people might just think I'm a crazy lady walking the streets you know oh, no, saying you something like but yeah yeah you can do it on the street yeah oh yeah, yeah. in Edinburgh there's street performers there's um there's a free fringe it's just it's like a explosion of art the whole mm. month okay so and how you can also yeah. like uh, talk to other like-minded people like there's a, a lot of contact making but yeah, also like I, I bet. creativity explosion because like explosion oh my lord my words today <laughs> uh, and it's very inspiring I think to be a part of it like it really like um, despite all the struggle that goes into this being a theater artist like it's it's very it's full hope because you see many people doing what they want and like mm. fighting for their little vision the little 
thing. Mm. So I, I've always wanted to go. I don't know why. Sounds I've very never inspirational. Been there. Oh, it's yeah. amazing. Yeah. yeah, it's so much fun, and I feel like also there's there's so much arts industry that's there too. Mm-hmm. So it's a great place to meet people, um, mm. fellow artists, and also people if you're going to be touring, different things like that. Mm. And the person that I became, I did Edinburgh Fringe in 2019 with Shattered a full mm. run, and then just now I did a, a hybrid version where I did uh, virtual and then a limited engagement for mm. performance run because mm. I was on my way to Gothenburg. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the person that I become in the process, I learned yeah. so much as a human and then also just as an artist. Um, there's just an experience that can't be replicated. I, I love it. I think mm-hmm. it's so fun. So how did you then end up going? Like, what's the, what was the, what's the voyage? Like, how did you end up doing fringe festivals? And like, I know you're an, you're an actor uh, and started in theater. Like you, you mentioned that you actually did, you got a part in in a play uh, very early on, right? Yeah. Please develop it further. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, uh, I, I premiered Shattered in 2017, and then I started doing the Hollywood Fringe Festival, and I just started doing festivals to try to see where I could take it. Um, Edinburgh was always a place the city was always a place I wanted to go. And the idea of doing the show 25 times in the road during the month was really important to me. Um, specifically in 2019, the uh, the reason for going to Edinburgh Fringe was cause, because the events that I talk about in Shattered, the assault I talk about, that happened in August mm-hmm. of 2009. So 2019 was the 10th year since. Yeah, okay. And as a survivor, it's very important for um, for me, I know, to try to take back pieces of myself and pieces of my life. Mm-hmm. And August was a month that for years upon years I dreaded. I would just completely shatter or fall yeah, apart. Yeah. And so going in 2019 was a way to rewrite that month and mm-hmm. take back that month. And so ever since, August for me now is about going to Edinburgh Fringe. Yeah. It's about me telling my story, connecting mm-hmm. with organizations. It's about me um, standing in my st- story and my power. Mm-hmm. And next year, I hope to be doing my new work, and I hope to be doing also a um, maybe a limited engagement of Shattered. I'm not sure how long the story is going to be continuing to be shown or if I'm going to be sharing my newer chapters going forward. Mm, But I know August for me is a month that I want to share my story. That's very beautiful. and um, I'm very thankful. I think I feel thankful. (laughs) (laughs) A very great way of rewriting your own story as well. That's very, very important for healing as well. Um, Yeah, I, I, I was supposed to leave like... I, I was supposed to leave like a couple of days before to go to Edinburgh, and I was like, "Oh wait, today was the." I was like, "Oh, today was the anniversary." I totally forgot because I'm going to Edinburgh. Like it's, yeah. but I mean, it's it sounds so much easier than it is. It has taken me. Mm. I'm 13 years out now, and it's mm. taken me a lot of therapy. So mm. I don't want to like downplay that. I just mm. want to say that it is possible mm. to take back these pieces of your life and to to rewrite them and reframe them in a different way. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, now that you, um, you sh- we didn't mention it before, but now we've started talking, we've gotten a little bit into the actual subject of the, or like the the focal point of the, of Shattered, which is like an assault, you were assaulted. Yeah. Mm. Um, and you take us through a journey where you, of finding yourself again, or like, and yeah, a, a lot. Uh, can you help me out here in, in finding mm-hmm. words for? Um, it's just about... Uh, how you felt before the assault, how the assault mm, amplified those feelings and how you 
dealt with those feelings that you didn't know where they came from and what how to reintegrate them and how to find who you really were mm. be, both before and after because it's uh, it's like for me the assault in the show it's like the last drop yeah that yeah. makes the water yeah. overflow the glass and then and then from then on you shattered into pieces and it's the whole process of putting yourself back up there yeah yeah that's what it is no (laughs) that that's exactly true it was it was well I think that anytime something like that happens it's very important to get help to help the person navigate the healing process because it is for me it was a life-changing event and I would based on the number of survivors I know for many it has been a life-changing event um Given the context of early childhood trauma I already had at that point that I had um, denied and buried, um, one of the characters in the show is Denial. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, I'm Denial. Yeah. <laughs> we are fine. We are fine. <laughs> yeah, and um, she's a recurring character. She's one of the main characters that keep popping up to to basically bury the experiences that happen in life because it's, it's a survival mechanism. I was going to say, if I can intervene here, like, uh, is... Do you do you feel like denial has been uh, has helped you as well? Definitely. Like, yeah. Yeah, and I think as I've gone along a lot of the characters have. Um, Shame is also one of the main characters and as I look back on some of the um moments I talk about in the show, shame can be extremely vicious and has been in my life. I also think that being ashamed of certain Um, areas of of my upbringing or being ashamed of certain things in some ways did also help me. Mm. It's kind of a complex... um, I mean, humans are complicated, right? It's a little complex to discuss, but yeah. yeah. And denial did, and um, but the assault was really the point of no return. Um, In the show, I talk about seeking help and Mm. uh, finding a therapist and finding different ways to heal. And I had to seek help at that point. There Mm. was no... There were no more options left to deny. Yeah. And yeah. I'm grateful for that. And I love who I've become in the process. But it's been a long road. Yeah. <laughs> Let me just That's, say that. There is hope. There is There's hope. hope. There's a light at the end There's of the tunnel. Yeah. So yeah, I, I think c- we should get into like a song break. I, definitely. Right? But I have a little, little follow-up question. Yeah. <laughs> um, because my prejudice or like my thought when I saw this, I was like, okay, is this, this could be maybe partially for you because I don't know you like we just met right so I was thinking that this uh, putting on the show could be a way of a way of therapy for you is that is that would you say it is that way or or do you feel like you've already you know yeah I I think that there are parts of the show that I really have already worked through so much in therapy definitely the assault at the point I wrote the show I had already been through seven years of therapy Mm. around the assault Mm. um other areas in the show that I didn't want to talk about were mainly my upbringing and, and other traumatic events that had happened. Mm. Um, but they were essential to the the story of, of discussing dating and intimacy following trauma, mm. which I think is a really important topic that we don't really discuss. Yeah. And um, I had to get the story out. Mm. I was at that point where I was like, this story I'm keeping in secret and it's it. It needs to be told because I kept seeing the world around me joking about assault. Yeah, yeah. I kept, um, you know, I, it was this was before like the Me Too movement blew up on the internet. Of course, it had been already started, you know, over, over a decade before that. So this was at 
written during 2017 when I was the only person I knew who had been through this. And the world around me was joking about it and really insensitive. And so I really wrote it as a way for people to understand. Okay. Understand my experience, but also understand their loved ones, understand a way that so many people are carrying this truth around silently. And maybe if we can be a little more compassionate. Yeah. The world would be a better place. Yeah, um, yeah. It's been a, me performing it. It has been therapeutic in many ways, but it's also been very hard in many ways, too. Mm. It unearthed a lot for me. Yeah. Um, but I look at all the people it's helped in the process, and that's why I continue to do it. So before we put on the song, then, I think we should take away that, um, uh, like, be more open-minded and talk about these things, right? And forgiving to for to each other and help each other out, like a little bit of the sisterhood thing, because I feel mm. like uh, personally, I f- I feel like um, I feel like I've I've talked to my friends, my girlfriends about the occasions like this. Like I feel I feel comfortable talking about them. I think and crying with my friends. I'm looking at you. I'm like you're my friend, <laughs> but it is hard. And I guess different different um, uh, groups in society or or. Uh, define themselves in different ways and in some places it's very taboo to talk about anything sexually related or assault or like violence right hmm. yeah. all right yeah. let's go to this song yeah <laughs> it's a it's a, I think it's a hard i think it's a hard con- even me as a survivor it's it's a hard conversation to approach yeah it really is and there's so many experiences that are within the spectrum of what people go through. Yeah. I so. I hope people and they're dare all to talk valid. To me. Definitely. And they're all valid. Yeah. We're going to listen to a song called Sweet Disposition by Temper Trap, uh-huh. uh, which to me is a very hopeful and light and I don't know, relaxed song to listen to. So Lovely. let's get into it. <laughs> That was <laughs> I'm very good at transitions, you guys. That was Sweet Disposition by Temper Trap, which I associate with five hundred days of summer because it's in the in the <laughs> in the soundtrack and I listen to that soundtrack and watch that film over and over again as a late teenager. Anyway. I am intense, yes. Hello. Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> So now we're gonna get a little bit more into the actual content of the play. Uh, we're going to start with with a phrase that both me and Fatima got stuck on. Uh, this phrase is something that you say in a moment when you are really uh, stressed out by the different characters <laughs> and that are kind of kind of smothering you. And we're going to try not to spoil anything, but we'll we'll do our best. And she says at some point, "I am a prisoner in this unjust purgatory." After the assault happens. That's how the Diana felt. Sorry if I ever say your name like Diana because it's a name it. it's a name in Spanish and I keep on like tripping mm-hmm. over it. I love it. I love Diana. <laughs> okay. I love great. it. <laughs> um so the thing is that me and Fatima we interpreted it differently because I I thought um that you talk about so that the purgatory in this case would be the societal norms and structures that uh shape the way we think about ourselves in the space that we take up in the world but for for Fatima it was like this purgatory was the prison of your own mind like the confines of your own mind so we were just wondering 
what how when you wrote it what were you thinking about like are we really prisoners in our own mind is that our purgatory is it society that like makes us feel like this or is it like a question of what came first the chicken or the egg Wow. <laughs> amazing. I love that you that you both had um differing uh descriptions of what that meant and that that um phrase really resonated with you. Mm. And I also love that it um means different things to different people. Like mm. that's that's really cool. For me there the purgatory was that following the salt I really did feel like a ghost. I often say even now, I think I was writing earlier today that um you know I was I felt murdered that night, but I lived on in body. So I I did feel like a ghost especially in the years before I wrote my story. I felt like I wandered the earth as a ghost. Mm -hmm. And especially because I was um I was silent, nobody knew what was happening. It was it was really difficult and then I had the voices in my mind and I did have you're right the societal um the societal moments where people were joking about assault and they just like um, sp spiked the the uh, reactions um, internally because I did have this buried trauma. So it's a little from it's a little bit the, the mind. It's a little bit of society. Mm. It's mostly that I was I just felt like I was r roaming the earth as a ghost dead mm. yeah i mean because that's purgatory right just like double checking mm. my religious yeah. but, but it's like <laughs> no, I'm, it's after afterlife right yeah but like not heaven yeah but you're not, not hell it's not like in the middle it. of the limbo exactly it's okay, a limbo yeah. 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 they're still judging you yeah you're being basically i think i'm i'm like a dysfunctional catholic um not my own doing <laughs> please see the show there's yes. a lot there yeah. <laughs> um i wanted to be anyway long story uh but yeah purgatory is like you're atoning for your sins um in limbo i think okay yeah yeah i i mean i've i've seen um what's the the with the two brothers that hunt demons what are they called it's a series supernatural, supernatural. i've seen supernatural and there's like a there's a moment when when someone's stuck in purgatory so that's I've like gone to bible study so oh okay we should listen to you then yeah <laughs> i was going to say no, that's I mean. my reference for purgatory like <laughs> Yeah, no, I like because I'm Catholic as well, uh, but also not my decision. It, I just Spain's a Catholic country. I have Catholic grandparents. If I didn't get baptized into Catholicism, I think my grandma would have had like a little bit of a breakdown, probably. Oh, yeah. I'm also the first grandchild, so it's like all hopes were on me. And yeah, no. But yeah, Catholicism is something that you cannot get away from. And actually, now that I think about it, all these characters like shame, guilt, um, fear, because mm. you are taught to be fearful of God and you are taught to like also, yeah, be kind of a sheep and like don't show yourself too much because you, you don't want to be vulnerable. You want to preserve your vulnerability to those who deserve it. So I guess, I guess... Catholicism is very like very much present in your and in it's actually like it's coming out in this purgatory line like because yeah, this yeah. is a fundamentally yeah. religious concept but um I wanted to go back to this whole like because you're still being judged when you're in purgatory right you're still like it's not been decided whether you're going up or down oh. you are like stopped there because there's th there are things that you need to resolve so, and I think the the way I see it is that the the way you judge yourself, because like also in the play, there's moments where 
uh, you put some of the characters on trial. Yeah. Oh yeah. And uh, yeah. Very, you're very judging much. yourself, but your society is also judging you. So yeah. And it's it's like society is reinforcing that judging that you would do on yourself because you know something bad has happened and you don't know how to how to voice it or how to make sense of it because there is no sense of it. Like there's no logical chain of events that happen that ends into leads to result as we all know I hope listeners anyway <laughs> and I was just because it's very hard uh, in the eyes of society to be the perfect victim um, they really want to make of a victim some sort of a virginal martyr image and if you keep on enjoying your life that's a bad thing if you then you're not really a victim is that what you you're mean? not a victim mm. it happened there was this very huge uh case in spain uh it was a gang rape a uh, girl was raped by five people uh yeah sorry <laughs> and in at a party and then like a few months later she was so like she was seen sorry I don't know my grammar anymore what's happening to me she was seen partying with her friends and the defense of these people that raped her uh, used it as a way of sort of exemplifying like she wasn't that, that her she's bad not she, that hurt by this like insane. maybe she was asking for it oh, so like wow. it's not only a societal thing it's it's used against women in formal places like a trial Oh yeah. So uh, this purgatory is a very real, is a very real space that I think assault survivors live in, oh, in yeah. general. Yep. Yeah, and and anyone that knows anything about trauma and <laughs> trauma, uh, you know how you cope with it. Sometimes that is going out, and um, you know, hmm. part. Oftentimes you do see. I bring this up in my show. Hmm. You do see like people partying or and bearing it uh, you do see people being promiscuous you do see people acting out in anger you see people in so many ways and it's just mm. them trying to regulate their systems and the unthinkable mm. making sense of the unthinkable mm. or burying it mm. and so it's actually very logical that she she would go out and party with her friends yeah. and and sometimes and it's used you against just, her yeah everything is used against you everything if you even so try a little bit to to tell the authorities what's happened to you, how unfair it is, even after Me Too, it's still really hard. You're judged at absolutely every step of the way. And after it doesn't give you the, you're assaulted. You don't want to talk about it then. Like if you, you know, don't you want to talk about know it. You're going to get challenged. And, mm. and that's, that's what I meant. Like, what came first? Like, where is this judgment? This judgment is in society. This judgment is in... It's in the Bible, it's in the Genesis. Mm. It was all Eva's fault. Mm. And all women, we carry, the, we carry a sin mm-hmm. by default when we're born. And it's ever sin. And it can only be cured if you are baptized. And if you're not baptized... Is that the idea of baptism? That's the idea of baptism, oh, to get rid of oh, ever my. sin. My. And then uh, wow. when, if you die as a kid or like as an older person and uh you don't you're not you've not been baptized mm. you you stay in the limbo yeah i heard that you are a forced thing, to you don't get to do yeah that. yeah it's and funny. that's that's how they 
uh, installed fear in mothers about baptism because like their baby the baby died when there was like a higher rate of childhood death in uh, in the catholic countries like they, they, they their baby would never go anywhere it's just like stay floating around in purgatory mm. it's yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think it, my mom was right when she put me in religion classes because now I know a lot. <laughs> you know, thanks, that. mom. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm gonna take. I'm gonna force force a little break here yes, again. Please. Um, for we we need a little breather. So please. we're gonna we're gonna listen to, listen a, to a very non uh, non Catholic song. It's called Wild Things by the Trogs, and I find this song very sexy. <laughs> it's very sexy. It. <laughs> All right, let's just see because apparently I played it a little bit, and here we go. <laughs> You're listening to Gothenburg Student Radio K103. Hello. <laughs> I hope this uh, song helped you dance around uh, wherever you're listening to this maybe a little bit heavy uh, episode of the podcast and you danced it around and you shook it mm-hmm. and now we're back with a harder topics again the Beatles we're gonna get we're we're getting sued for team well why we we're pay gonna, for our uh, do we yes, but the course. Beatles are we're, very expensive that's not I'm worried you know that, that's not my I'm sorry pro- I'm sorry <laughs> no uh, I was gonna say it was a very sexy song I liked it, it I, I, have, I haven't heard, heard it and I liked, I liked it a lot maybe it's good for a strip tease like as a background <laughs> if you're feeling sick I mean I'm sorry mm-hmm. <laughs> We're gonna talking about striptease. Yeah, we we're gonna get... talk about something that is touched upon in in Diana's uh, show, and it's uh, like getting back into your getting back into being comfortable with yourself and your sexuality and feeling good in your body and not feeling like dissociated from it. Because as you said before, you felt like a ghost. That means that any corporeal experience must have been fragmented at least or shattered like the name of the the show (laughs) that we're promoting today and so I wanted to start with like the importance of having available and affordable mental health support because these are also important uh, um, characters in the play there's uh, your therapist Alison yes Oh my God, her face when I said Alison. <laughs> then yeah. there's also a life coach mm-hmm. called KL. Mm-hmm. And I am, I'm including here the yoga teacher Ursula because yoga teachers, you guys, they're important. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, uh, so I'm American. I don't know if you can tell from my accent. <laughs> um, and access to mental health is a complex issue in America. Uh, At times it can be very expensive, which I talk about in the show too. I was lucky I got... um I got free services at a local rape treatment center, and that's where I met Allison. And I was very, very lucky not to be on a wait list. I was very lucky to get right in um, when I called. There are also barriers, um, you know, regarding my own self-stigma or regarding my own hesitation for, for seeking mental health services. So there's there's a lot of different factors at play. Um, I would say in America, a lot of it is cost and access. Um, I was just very, very lucky. 
And I ended up seeing Allison um, because I did have an extensive trauma history. They ended up keeping me a lot longer at the rape treatment um, center. And then I ended up doing group therapy, which also was a service that they provided. And uh, I ended up seeing KL, who was my life coach, which I paid for out of pocket. But she was um, instrumental for me to really take hold of my writing and start to take hold of my story. So uh, being able to start to put the pieces together of the whole trauma narrative was really, really important for me because it wasn't just the assault. It wasn't just, you know, something that happened to me uh, years ago. It wasn't my childhood. It was all of it put together. Mm. And then along those same lines, I did find yoga extremely therapeutic because I was able to um, start to, I was able to start to get out of my mind and into my body. And um, I have found that it's called, I think it's called somatic experiencing when you do therapy of the the body. Mm -hmm. Um, And I found that when I, uh, even in therapeutic sessions, when we would do movement and I was able to turn off my mind, I was able to express things with my body that my mind didn't have the words for. And I think that you see that in Shattered where all of the sh- all the characters are, they have a pose, they have a body language to them. Mm-hmm. And so it allows me to, um, it allows me to put sound and movement to inexplicable mm-hmm. sensations. Mm. Yeah, I've like in therapy, there's also this thing about... I've I've done therapy, you guys, <laughs> and uh, and there's also this exercise that they tell you to do, which is like sit in two different chairs. The chair is oh, back. Yeah. The yeah. chair is back. Anyway, key, key character. <laughs> yeah. And then you have to sit in one chair and you have to act like the judge, and then you have to move to the other chair and be judged. Like that's at least something that they used with me because I judge myself harshly too. Oh my God, I really didn't want to be so personal. I wanted to be the interviewer, but here we are oversharing. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, so yeah, this is like very normal. Or like if if you have issues um, expressing anger, there's also, they told me to like roll up a piece of newspaper and just like smash it against the table. Yeah. And like to, af- to after... provoke anger within no, yourself? No, to release it. To get the energy out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. I mean, even just now, I was a little uh, nervous, and so I just moved my spine a little bit. Mm-hmm. Calms me down. Mm-hmm. You know, the breath, and that was, the body. And I was rolling my shoulders, too. Yeah. Because that's where I keep the, the, the stress. stress in the I shoulders. Want, I wanted to... Um, this. I'm also going to share a personal story, but I'm going to try to keep it a bit brief. But I, I thought about it when I watched your show. Um, there's a point where you lie down on the ground, like just yeah. knocked out, sort of. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, it's, it's it's a short moment where you just lie down and yeah, it happens. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and when when I um, when I saw that, it reminded me of um, um, I was um, I was I, I did a work retreat uh, with a bunch of people that I didn't know, like because it was a big com- company, and they had they invited someone to make us jump and lie down on the ground and hold hands, and we didn't really talk to each other. Like the, it was like one big room, fifty people in it, and we were making movements, and it was quite intimidating. It was it was a bit scary, and that um, uh, in in that in point being, I was lying on the ground, and I felt how I started crying. I started tearing up, and I felt very unsafe because it was with a lot of people that I didn't know. But also, what I wanted to get to was that I I didn't understand it because I'm not. I've never uh, been doing these 
corporal like movements to provoke uh, I did well I did one once I did it with uh, it was um, a course called finding your inner child um, and uh, and yeah I had a similar thing with the chairs and everything but um, how do you how do you then handle whatever it is that comes out because these are things that you don't necessarily you haven't necessarily defined them it's just your body telling you things that you have inside you right so how do you handle handle whatever comes out because i thought that was scary like all of a sudden i was crying amongst a bunch of people oh, yeah. uh, and i mean i i don't know i probably took on my version of denial and and you know was uh, like everything's fine you know oh yeah yeah i mean I do a lot of breathing. Well, now I know that like breath really helps regulate the the body and the system. So whenever I have big emotions come up, I do a lot of breathing. Um, the part in the show where I lay down, um, it's I think you're talking about the sound sound bath part. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. A lot, yeah, was, yeah. yeah a mm-hmm. lot comes up in that moment. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, a lot came up, and I was really shocked by it. So I think that I um, I remember just. I remember trusting that it was just information that I needed to know. Mm. And I had been through so much therapy at that point that I was um, I was more curious than I was. I was curious and shocked, but I knew I was in a safe environment. Mm. So a lot of times when things come up and um, I feel uh, strong emotions, a lot of times I will tell myself, you know what, you're safe. This is a safe environment. Mm. And I think that's really important for us to understand that trauma or feelings or or memories can come up and feel like they are happening right then but they are happening in the past Mm -hmm. and we are normally in a safe environment and if you're not in a safe environment then you have the capacity to to put yourself in an environment that's Mm -hmm. going to be safe Mm -hmm. but a lot of times I will I will breathe and just remind myself um where I am Mm -hmm. and you can do that by like Ground, even grounding exercises, you, you can name five things that you see, four things that you hear, um, three things that you touch, I think, mm-hmm. one thing that you smell. Like, I th- I'm saying the wrong thing, but basically put yourself in your environment. Yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. So the reality. focus on, on the palpable things around you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Or you can even just like t- make sure you like touch your knees or if you have someone with you and they can put like a grounding um, touch on your arm or something. So you remember that you're in your body and you're safe. Mm. But I've had that happen too. I've had that. I've had that happen where I've been at the coffee shop and I've had a memory pop up and mm. I've been like, "Oh my gosh, big big emotion!" And mm. I just breathe and remember that that's just a big emotion that's coming up. Mm. I'm safe. I'm good. I've had my latte. Mm. Things are okay. Yeah, I've heard <laughs> several times like listening. Latte. Yeah, listening to latte. to like um, life coaches. You know, you hear a podcast or something, and they always say like. You know, an emotion is just that. It's an emotion. Let it come come in, look at it, and then let it go away. You know, like yep. just sort of. But it's it's very, I feel like I'm a very, you know, um, square person maybe sometimes. And, and it, it feels a little bit, um, I don't know what the word flumig is, is in English. Just, um, uh, um, like, like a bit too... Up in your spiritual head. maybe like, like yeah woo-woo. yeah uh, yeah uh, yeah when i started learning about the brain mm-hmm. it really made things make more sense for me yeah. that sounds very simplistic <laughs> <laughs> but but no it really is emotions if they will pass if you like just breathe through them it takes training and mm-hmm. it's also like you know meditation and mindfulness and and these 
I listen to the Calm app all the time. Mm-hmm. That's not a plug for it. I'm just telling you I do because it yeah. works. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, it's when I started learning about how our brains work, it allowed me to to kind of take hold of the natural biology. Mm. And part of that is breath. Yeah. I know it sounds yeah. simplistic yeah. because everyone's like, just breathe. It's like, actually, you should. It, it calms your mind down. Yeah. Mm. That's what they at the dentist when they're they're like remember to breathe because you're scared of them drilling. Or when you when you when you're getting a um, a pop smear, you also have to like breathe so that you like or cough in the Mm. moment that they're like like grabbing a piece of your tissue. Oh God, Mm. that's the worst. (laughs) (laughs) But um, this is a question from Marie. Uh, Quickly, um, she's wondering whether you wish to educate young and insecure growing women by sharing display. Like, is there a part of of sharing your experience that has to do with helping young women? And does it tend to be? Do you tend to find these young women in your in your audience when you're performing? Like, is this your your target audience in a way? I was surprised at how young my friends wanted to bring people they knew. I thought my target audience was 20s, 25, people who've been through this, 30s, you know. Um, I found that people I knew wanted to bring um, adolescent. Like, I had to put a an age warning. I was like, well, I think this is 18 plus. I was like, I think this is 18 plus. Um, but I was interested, it was interesting to see my friends suggesting that I bring it to middle schools hmm. or to people much younger because experiences that I talk about, the youngest experience I talk about is a child experience. Yeah. This, you know, consent and, and things, we learn that growing up. So um, I, uh, I guess I want to share my story so that people, I can't stop what happens in people's lives. But I want to share my story so that people can see how it manifests and can not feel alone in ways that they might have reacted. Um, And I would say that when I first started, I thought that it was young women, but now it's people. Mm. It's all walks of life. It's Mm. all ages. It's all um, gender identifications. And I would say I also want to bring in people who um, identify differently than me more so because the conversations are so much more uh, nuanced and not always heard. And um, I really would love the show to be a platform for various perspectives to be talking on these topics because it shows up so differently and so similarly. Mm. Mm Yeah, that Marie also has this this comment that she wanted to share, which is that according to her, it's super creepy how we, like mm. us, the people that are talking in this room right now, we've never met, and I guess your audience has never met you, like thirty percent or something. Like, yeah, audience that has never met you that comes to your show, you've never met them, and probably grew up in different countries and. Um, still like the feeling of relating to your story so it's it's, it's there it's, it's very very, very strong and uh, she's just outraged that how is this normal how is this across cultures everywhere mm. and uh, and she also says well done because the echo of watching the show really makes you think and mm. me particularly makes me really want to smash the patriarchy like, <laughs> even harder yeah. like <laughs> this is it I am done with you patriarchy <laughs> All right. Um, I want uh, on the patriarchy. There's this one. Um, so you, I'm gonna get, get it back to you. But like <laughs> one, another uh, 
poignant, 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 oh, poignant. <laughs> like poignant. another sentence that really stuck with me was in the very beginning of your show. You say that you, um, um, you'd rather, uh, I, I, you rather lose your virginity, like stress it, than have it being taken from you. Was yeah. that? Uh, I, I mean, um, I don't personally relate to that fear didn't relate to that fear like as a child but was that pre- very present like do did you have do, do we yeah you know yeah. I, I wanted it scared me a lot I mean I, I wanted know. to get rid of it as soon as possible yeah. I wanted to be over with there was both for me mm. no, there was I... this like there was this like hold on to it it's this chase thing yeah. and then there was get rid of it you know, hmm. when you get a bit older and your friends start having sex and you're yeah. like the frigid. Yeah, I mean, you yeah. mean don't be a prude, uh, mm-hmm. you know. But uh, but, but the I, fear of being having it being taken from you, because in a sense, if you're give, giving it to someone earlier than what you want, really, you're still letting someone take it in a way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I didn't know that at the time I wrote the show, there was a big age difference. Mm. And um, it was a, it was, I talk about losing my virginity in the, the show. Mm. Um, and there was a big age difference that at the time I didn't think anything of. Yeah. Um, as I've gone along, I've been like, hmm, that was probably inappropriate. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but, there, but it's a much more complex relationship than I put in the show. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was it was something I wanted to get rid of, and all my friends were having sex too. So I was like, "Ooh, wh-, you know, it was this like fantasy thing. Like, when are we? When is it going to happen?" Mm. But then it was also something to keep keep a hold of. Yeah. Um, I was coming of age at a time when roofies just started yeah. popping up, so there was a lot of fear around like, "Oh, this is just an inevitable thing that's going to happen." Okay. You know, on, on we have Lifetime TV in in America, mm. and there were all of these movies on people getting drugged and just like put over the shoulder and taken up the stairs like it was so terribly done (laughs) but terrifying because I was I I just thought it was inevitable that Mm. that's what college is going to happen I'm in love with somebody I might as well just do this now yeah Yeah. it's a transaction in a way Mm -hmm. for me it was like as well like I would sometimes I would get drunk and get like really I had a very lovely boyfriend when I was when when I lost my opportunity with him, and also, let's stop saying that you don't lose anything. I, I had sex for the very like <laughs> losing your virginity. What virginity? I've never been a virgin. I was born with a sin, which is talked about it anyway. Yeah. Um, the person that I yeah. that I had sex for the first time with was lovely. I have nothing like I got lucky there, but I would sometimes like get very drunk and get like very like slutty quote-unquote mm. with him to like try and convince him that I really wanted to do it and he was like we, we are not gonna do it because dude you I'm not sure you want it and like I I really wanted to like just like a band-aid just rip it off mm. like I needed it to be done I didn't want it to be a thing that bothered me and I didn't really start enjoying sex actively until like four years later yeah yeah but on the subject of of uh, yeah. uh, your because like p- young people having sex and the uh, and your target group and all of that. Uh, I wanted to say that nowadays I also think that uh, kids are less isolated. So and information about um, 
sex and sexual assault and like things that happen in the world is very much out there and all the kids are connected basically so um i think it's sort of in my mind it makes sense that they would want to bring their like i would want to bring my siblings to to your show just for like educational purposes mm-hmm. or like um or like to to know that it's okay to talk about something if it happens mm-hmm. to you and like you know that there is that I'd, they're not alone i'd bring all men that i know to this yeah i'd yeah. bring my brother the first one like grab him by the ear and be like learn Hello again, listener. You've just reached the end of the first part of our two-part interview with Diana Varco, author of Shattered, a play that you'll be able to see in uh, under the festival Gothenburg Fringe on the 9th, 10th and 11th of September. If you want to stay tuned for the second part of the interview, please follow us on our social media. We are showaboutnothing underscore K103 on Instagram and the showaboutnothing on Facebook. If you want to contact us or you have any comments or anything, that's where you can find us. Thank you very much and we'll hear each other for part two. Oh my god, we're approaching 30. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> Useless. <laughs> Let's try this again. Thank god this isn't live. You've just heard a podcast version of a radio show by K103 Gothenburg Student Radio. You'll find all our shows at k103.se. Follow us on Facebook or Instagram. Stay tuned. <laughs>